0: So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing. Usually it's pretty nerdy.
1: Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world
0: gone
2: crazy!
0: Greetings from TG Geeks Webcast, where Ben and Keith, the Two Gay Geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469 TG Geeks. that is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Gray's in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 111 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. How's it going? Good. Uh, time changed this morning, so yeah. <laughs> that's always fun. That always fun. <laughs> but other than that, pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we are also joined today by David Acampo and Paul Montgomery, who are the writers behind The Margins. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Well, time change. Yeah, that goes for me too.
2: Gravy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little.
0: Yeah, I went to a party last night, and um, they the the restaurant, which we will remain nameless, uh, took us. It took them an hour to get us. Th- the food in between the appetizer and the major meal. Whoa. And there was like 13 of us cause it was a, a birthday party. And, uh, and then it took like 10 minutes for them to find the car in, uh, in the valet. And so what we were expected to be home, like an hour and a half earlier than we did. <laughs> I kept We got like a podcast in the morning. Come on people. <laughs> um, so uh, David and Paul, Before we we get into you telling us all about the margins, which sounds like an absolutely awesome project, um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves.
1: You want to go first? Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> it's going to go like this quite a bit. Uh, let's see. So, um, I'm a writer. We're very deferential. Yeah, yeah we that's are. That's the first thing to know. That's how a collaboration works. <laughs> oh, that's how it works. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, so I'm a writer and designer. Uh, I've done some, I've written and directed short films, uh, written some prose short stories. Um, I co created the an audio drama. Uh, a, 10 years ago actually now um that's still on itunes but it's uh, it was called wormwood a serialized mystery um and then i've done some comics work including uh, sparrow and crow which is an occult mystery and a prequel to wormwood um uh lost angels which is sort of a ya urban sci-fi mystery book uh, and we're just starting the second we're on the second volume of that now and um i recently was in dc's new talent showcase uh which I got to do a short uh, story in because I was part of the 2016 uh, writers workshop with Scott Snyder. Um, and in addition to that, I do some podcasts. with. Done, I've done some podcasts with Paul. We're not currently doing any. And, uh, you know, this is We're our first We're doing one right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're doing
2: a podcast right now. Right I mean, of our
1: life. own creation. Uh, That's but, true. But our own creation is The Margins, which we'll talk about soon. So, yeah.
2: So uh, I'm also a writer. Um, I went to school for, for screenwriting and playwriting. I'm Paul, by the way. Um, and uh, I met Dave uh, about 10 years ago um, on, online through uh, the iFanboy community, uh, where I was a co-host of, of the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast for a while. I was also an editor uh, for the site um so my sort of my my geeky area is is pretty much in in comics um also done some some movie reviews and and things like that um but yeah i met dave and and wrote uh for his uh, audio drama uh, wormwood a serialized mystery uh so that's still out there we co-wrote an episode together and then i did Sweet. one on my own mm-hmm. yeah and uh so it's like in wormwood for anyone who's not familiar um uh it's, it's sort of like a, like a Twin Peaks kind of situation, uh, Twin Peaks with a little bit of uh, Fargo in there, a little bit more supernatural stuff, um, predating Night Vale, I think. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we came along first, but um, that was really fun, and, and we've worked together for so long, and it was only um, two years ago. Um, that we actually first met in person, so we collaborated for a while just online and spent hours and hours talking to each other on Skype. We did, as Dave mentioned, a podcast uh, that was called Fuzzy Typewriter, um, where we talked about similar stuff to you guys. We we basically um, talked about whatever movies and TV shows and comics we were into at the time, and um, we've done we've done that off and on, and uh, maybe it'll come back someday. But um, mm-hmm. for the for 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 right now, basically the focus is on the margins, which is coming out in the summer. And that's been a project that we've collaborated on for several years now because it was a, a big undertaking. It was a um, 120 plus page graphic novel, and it's been in various stages of, uh, you know, writing and rewriting and uh, finding our artist, Amanda Donahue, and working with her. And I'm sure we'll talk about that some more soon. Um but yeah, that's me. I'm I'm just a I'm a writer. Um, I work at a garage uh, <laughs> for my day job. Uh, that's my fa- that's our family business. Um, I have no aptitude for it, so hopefully this writing <laughs> thing sticks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, uh, David and Paul. What are your areas of geekitude?
1: Um, I think, uh, as Paul mentioned, uh, he mentioned comics, and that's definitely my deep geek area. (laughs) Um, uh, It's just something that I always stuck with. And so, uh, well, I think I'm kind of a broad spectrum geek, you know, like I I love, you know, horror movies and and sci-fi and, uh, you know, I grew up with Star Wars and... Uh, superheroes and and everything I, I feel like the further we've gone along the the wider <laughs> fandom has gotten the, the deeper fandom yeah. has gotten and so i feel like yeah. my 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 the only place i really feel like i've got that geeky uh uh, uh grasp
3: is in comics okay and what are your uh, oh, i'm sorry i just wanted to wonder about your taste in comics
1: Man, that, that's a good question. Uh, it, it's kind of varied. I mean, I'm all over the map. I love superheroes. I've loved them from the beginning. Uh, you know, for the first things I picked up off the newsstand were, were um, you know, superhero comics uh, or space opera comics. Um, but then, you know, as an adult, I really discovered like uh, I, I was there when Vertigo was formed, you know, like I was I was that reader who was <laughs> like, oh,
0: look,
3: yeah.
1: I- It doesn't have to be superheroes. We have this, too. And then from there, expanding out, finding all the indies, you know, and then kind of coming back to superheroes and and seeing what these are still really cool and there's still a great place to do it. So, uh, you know, today I'm all over the map. I've got Image, DC, Marvel, you know, everything. I I love all different blends of genres within that, within the medium.
2: Yeah. I describe you as a, as a vertigo guy. You're, really? you're an old school vertigo yeah. guy. Like I, I don't necessarily like picture you in the duster or anything <laughs> like that, but, um, but, no, but I, I think of, I think that's sort of your, your niche and that's, um, and, and that informs a lot of the stuff that you're into even now, but like, um, you know, also for the for the showcase, you mentioned you did a Doctor Fate story, right? So I also think of you in terms of like magic and, and cosmic kind mm. of characters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, as for me, um, yeah, I guess I would consider myself um, a comics geek, and uh, although you know I I don't make it out to the comic shop every week, I'm doing a lot of my reading on comicsology these days, and I think certainly my my taste in comics has changed just in, in working on them, in, in working on things like the margins, which is a a YA book. Um, so I'm looking more towards what, what's coming out from first second press, what's coming out from scholastic even. Um, I've always, I think since I was a little kid, wanted to do middle grade kind of stuff. I was a, I was a big fan of, uh, Banicula when I was a kid. That that was my first sort of like fresh book series. I'm glad that there's laughs of recognition because not everybody knows the Banicula, but, but yeah, so that was, uh, Deborah and James Howe did the first one, and um, unfortunately, uh, so that was a, a husband and wife team. Unfortunately, she passed away, I believe, during the creation of the first one, and then James Howe did the rest, and stuff like celery stalks at midnight and things like that. And I've always been sort of like an animal person, so if there's, if I don't know if this qualifies, but I'm an animal geek. Um,
1: he, you are so you know, an animal geek, too, yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I, I, I love... I love anthropomorphic animals like those kind of stories that, or just stories that like it's narrated by a dog. Like I'm just a, a big, you know, I, I always repost, you know, rescue dog stuff. And um, if there's cute videos of dogs doing a weird thing like that's that's me on your Twitter <laughs> feed. So um, and, you know, I like a little bit of the supernatural. So that so that's sort of, um, you know, what I'm what I'm into these days. Video games. Um, anthrop- I'm an anthropo. Video games as well. You're kind of more a video um, game guy than I am. Yeah. That, yeah, that's interesting. So we, we have like a, you know, we have a, our strike team for, for destiny. I think we kind of <laughs> fell away a little bit with destiny too. I uh, think everybody did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I video games I came to sort of because um, everybody would ask me when I was writing for iFanboy, and I also did interviews for for Marvel.com, um, you know, what comics podcasts do you listen to? And I was like, I kind of don't because that's sort of the day job. And, uh, you know, I'll wake up and Alan Moore said something. and I was like, oh, this is going to be my day. So I sort of I, I sort of drifted towards listening to more video game podcasts because that's something where I don't have – proficiency in terms of the industry. And I don't, you know, I've never done interviews in in that realm um, of of geek journalism. So I could just embrace it as a fan. And so uh, I'm real big into Nintendo stuff. There's a big Nintendo direct this week. So I was excited about that. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, but um, yeah, that's, that's sort of our, our areas of uh, geekiness. That's awesome. Do you guys have any
0: places where you feel like you're, you're not, in touch with the geek uh, community, if geekitude is low.
2: That's a really good question. Um, so I, I think, like Dave, um, I'm, a, I'm a full spectrum geek where I'm, I'm into a little bit of everything. But I do feel like I wish I knew. I wish I could be geekier or, or more knowledgeable about music. Mm-hmm. I've written one music review in my life, and it's this weird sort of tone poem about a Decemberist album and there's no like technical understanding either. So like, I wish I knew more about that. I wish I knew more about coding, like just like (laughs) stuff. Um, I wish I knew more about browser extensions. I don't know how to do keyword passwords or like things on my, you know, like shortcuts, (laughs) like, Technical stuff like so from a family of mechanics like I'm not mechanical at all except where it comes to like talking about story. Um, so I wish I was more of a, a technical. Right.
3: Is that the garage that you mentioned earlier?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my my dad's been a mechanic since he was seven years old. Actually, we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of our wow. garage and I just kind of do some of the paperwork. I answer the phones, but like I, you know, I don't know anything about cars mm. Um, and it's like not necessarily like I am raging against my dad, like oh man, cars are stupid. Like uh, it's it's just that like that's not my area of aptitude. Um, but it's but it but it's been cool because even still, like my dad from early on was like like you're not into this. Like that uh, then that's fine. Like you're into your own thing. So he's always been very supportive of that, and my whole family has. So, um. That's, that's been, uh, that's something that I'm always really grateful. I feel like for. you should open a side business out of the garage. It's like story mechanic
1: and people just come in, they, you know, they drive up with their car and then they bring their script over to you wow. while your dad works on the car. Wow, and Awesome. You know, <laughs> that's like, awesome. you're like, yeah, just you like, just, just do, do this, this, and this, and you've got your own like like
2: a script doctor coveralls yeah. on
1: and everything like that. Yeah, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> story mechanic. I, I do.
2: I do. I <laughs> do wear coveralls. Yeah. <laughs> um, hell Yeah. I, no, but I, I actually, I, I learn a lot just from listening to the regulars who come in. Like you, you, just, you know, you pick up, it's sort of like Mayberry down there. It's like very, you have your regulars who come in after they're done, you know, their job for the day and they just come to hang out and have a beer or whatever. And, um, so like I pick up different, you know, dialogue ticks and stuff like that. And just weird stories, like people come in, you know, um, asking for help on their car. And even though I'm not super proficient in that, I know some of the asks are kind of crazy. Like, can you put gas in my tires? I'm like, I don't think you want that. Dude. Um, that's not going
0: to end well for anybody.
2: <laughs> that's not going to. No, um, I don't. I could ask my dad, but like, I'm going to say no. You want air in your tires, not gas. And she was like, "Well, this light came on in my dashboard, and was like, we need to take a look at that dashboard." I think.
1: Uh, I'm glad you know enough to know not to put gas in the tires, Paul. That's, that's progress. Yeah. So I just,
2: (laughs) yeah. So I just like, I I just hear stories and I just sort of file them away and I was like, that'll be useful at some point. Yeah. Yeah. My, so my my lack of geek – I'd
1: say it's similar to Paul. Uh, we're very similarly aligned in that way. Um, I do not have a mechanic in the family, so <laughs> I don't even have that aptitude at all. Uh, uh, I would say – but it's funny because I had this reaction. So I was in Artist Alley at the Emerald City Comic Con last weekend, and, um, and, and I really – and I think I posted that I feel a little bit like the oh, old lady yeah. uh, answering the door on Halloween. Like everybody's walking by, okay. and I'm sort of like – and now – are you supposed to be dearie you know like because
0: there's
1: (laughs) i feel like the older guy for whom fandom has passed by like like i grew up with star wars i grew up with comics i get those things i and and back in the day like you knew if the guy was into comics if you were a kid into comics you were probably into star wars maybe a little doctor who maybe some star trek you know and that was about it right um uh, you know, and maybe those guys were also into the horror movie genres a little bit, you know, like, but, but now there's so much and it's so broad that I feel like I'm a little bit of everything. You know, I do love horror movies. Um, you know, I, I love science fiction, uh, hor- uh, uh, you know, supernatural mysteries. Um, uh, uh, you know, and like, I can follow a conversation about Doctor Who, but I only have like certain segments of knowledge about Doctor Who, right? right? Um, You know, comics are the one where, you know, like, you know, if you know the difference between infinite crisis, final crisis and crisis on infinite earths, then you're my people, you know, <laughs> you know like when Spider-Man got his black costume originally, then you're my people, right? So like that, like, that's my deep knowledge. But aside from that, like, I like, There's so much Star Wars fandom that like as a kid who grew up with those movies, the original movies, I'm like, I don't even get half the names people are talking about now. I don't watch the Star Wars Rebels. And so I feel like fandom has grown beyond me, Um, you know, and and like Paul, the music thing. I I have my music that I like. I have certain things I'm open to lots of music, but I don't have the technical um, capacity. So that's kind of where my like my geekitude is low, I guess.
0: But
2: yeah, you,
1: yeah.
0: You guys are right at my right in my wheelhouse. So like, you're not music geeks. I'm like, oh good, because that's all I, I always feel like, <laughs> like I don't I don't know the music. People are like, so this I have no idea who you're talking about. And uh, and yeah, I completely understand that whole idea of not knowing that not like being the the jack of all trades, the expert and none. Yes. Where yeah. people start talking about something, and you're like, I I know this is Star Trek but I have no idea and I thought I was pretty proficient and apparently I
3: am not Yeah, I'm also <laughs> so
1: hard to keep up.
3: I'm yeah. Also kind of jack of all trades with my geekdom as well. And I kind of feel when I'm around somebody who's, you know, specialty of star Trek, I feel a little bit like a fraud, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, what, what are you, if you had to pick, what would you say your favorite fandom is each of you?
1: That's a good question. (laughs) I mean, I think we've kind of already alluded for me, it has to be comics. Um, uh, My favorite sort of universe is DC Comics. Uh, The DC universe, it it hasn't always been there for me, (laughs) you know, like, like there have been state, I'm sort of like uh, late 80s, early 90s. DC is is like my favorite time period Uh of all. That's cool. uh, because I think they had the legacy going, um, and, and, but they also were kind of trying new things and trying to keep uh, fresh material out there. And so, like, if I have a specific favorite, favorite era and, and, and time and place, it's definitely like DC Comics in the late 80s to early 90s, the everything from, you know... Um, uh, uh, the Mike Grell Green Arrow, you know, to the James Robinson <laughs> Starman to, yeah. you know, like all this kind of stuff that came in that era I, I, and also the more this even the sillier comics in the time, like I love, I love the Mark Wade Flash run from that era, you know yeah. I love all that kind of stuff, so so yeah. for me, that's probably where my, my sweet spot is.
3: My uh, my main geekitude is probably movies and I am dying to take a huge tangent right now. <laughs> Pick your brain back on PC <laughs> movies, but we're going to hold oh, off God. on that because yeah. we could do the entire show. Right I am not. I am not
1: a fan of the crop of DC movies. I will. I will say that. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, as far as movies go, Big Trouble in Little China. That's my. That's my yes. deep uh, fan jam. <laughs> that's such a good movie. Yeah. Such a good movie. Yep. <laughs>
2: Um, so from so I went to I went to school theoretically for, for screenwriting and play. I have a B.S. in screenwriting and playwriting because I went to an engineering school. Story um, mechanic. So that's I'm telling
1: you. story mechanic, yeah. man.
2: Story mechanic. Basically, so uh, I, I let's see. I've always been a big uh, Wes Anderson fan. So uh, and as I mentioned, huge fan of, of animals and dogs. Some some super hyped for uh, Isle of Dogs, <laughs> uh, the new um, uh, stop motion joint he's doing. Um, So big fan of that stuff. Um, In terms of comics, uh, I like I like a lot of like European stuff like Tintin. Um, I'm a Superman apologist. If you say Superman's boring, I can talk to you for hours about why he's not um, and why he's really interesting and why the whole, you know, like uh, Superman being so, so powerful um, is not a detriment to character depth and and tension and things like that um me and dave are both big into uh planet of the apes Uh, we did uh, a deep dive series of podcasts and all the planet of the apes movies the classics and the new ones really fun um that goes with your anthropomorphic animals too doesn't it it goes with that yeah Um, I'm a nut for Chewbacca. I'm look, I'm basically looking around my desk. I'm big on like, let's see, giant monsters. I got a, and robots. I've got a Cherno Alpha from Pacific Rim. Um, the like big two foot tall toy of that sitting on my desk, uh, Thor, uh, what else am I into? Uh, Snoopy. I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to be, um, like a newspaper strip. Cartoonist okay. when I was young. That was one of my first. the The first job I wanted was to be a chef because I like the hat. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, no, nah, I want to be a cartoonist. And so I was real big into like uh, newspaper strips, and um, I uh, I was heavy into art for a while, but I didn't have the technical chops for it, and eventually moved towards uh, store like uh, writing, and so uh, short stories and things like right. that. Um, huge huge Star Wars fan um, that's that's one of my like if I was gonna dress up as something and go to a convention I'd probably lean towards the Star Wars direction or like the or the Godzilla direction those are have my you ever
3: ones. dressed up and gone to a convention
2: uh, I've been to conventions I've never Cosplay? been in college, yeah I've never done that either know. yeah
3: okay um,
2: this is not an area of geekitude for
1: i think anybody in this
3: chat yeah. room right
1: now and i love it i love cosplay there's amazing cosplay out there uh, yeah. i don't i don't have i feel like i don't have the physical the patience and like the physical skills to like actually put together you know and cuz i'd want to do it right cuz the, the the game is like so leveled up these days right like you yeah. see these uh, most in, ornate costumes out there and i'd be like well i have to be that good uh and so <laughs> you, you're gonna end up going like well maybe my time for cosplay is past." you know
2: <laughs> and i always uh, i always really enjoy it whenever there's a convention i, I gotta follow our buddy pat loika um because he takes the best cosplay yeah. photos ever and um super fun and he like he knows everybody and you know they do all the fun like group shots where they like tell a story within the picture and things like that And awesome. yeah
0: now, um, is there anything that you guys would recommend that is kind of a deep dive that, that not a lot of people know about, but you're like, you should be a fan of this?
1: Ooh, good one. I know, Paul, you've got something for that,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I, sure, I'll, I'll be the light preserver. um, no, um you mentioned uh, Doctor Who earlier, and I'm not I, – like, I know – a bunch of my friends who are much bigger Doctor Who fans than I am but I'm big into the um, the Big Finish audio dramas um, just to bring it around to you know how we met and working on Wormwood, uh, uh, they do these great um, they do them on CD or you can get them digitally but uh, BigFinish.com they do mostly Doctor Who but then there's I think they've done some like some Torchwood stuff and um, some other like, like smaller properties mostly English stuff Um, And I just, I love the, just the genre of, um, or the medium of audio drama where you're, you're using, you know, like the theater of the mind Mm -hmm. and there's something so fascinating about being able to tell any kind of story and you just need, you need some great actors and you need in the writing process, you just need to know how to convey exposition, how to convey a sense of atmosphere. And um, it's really inspiring to, to listen to those and get a sense of, okay, they're They're creating the sense of either claustrophobia or a sense of, oh, we're in a really big space. Like, and it's the moment where, you know, Dr. Grant looks up from the Jeep and sees the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Like, you can create a sense of scale with a great performance. Um, So, I'm big into those. Like, one of my favorite... um, you know, like the big question in Doctor Who fandom is like, which is your favorite doctor? Which number? And I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the eighth doctor, um, who was in the TV movie, uh, Paul McGann. And most of his stuff is through the radio dramas because he did that one kind of schlocky, you know, TV movie, but then he has this whole, World of stories. Um, and I think there's some of the best things that they've done in Doctor Who on TV or books or, you know, otherwise in these radio dramas. So um uh, I really enjoy those. And I think if somebody's interested in that stuff, that's a, a whole rabbit hole <laughs> you can go down because um, the continuity is all crazy and it's like, where do you start? But they do a good job of saying like, OK, if you're interested in this doctor or these companions, you know, go this way or whatever. So, um, that's I, I need to, very cool. I need to jump
1: down that rabbit hole, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Uh, he's uh, Paul, what you said is absolutely right in that we kind of learned that on the fly too when we were doing Wormwood, um, which is still out there on iTunes if people are interested. It's it, he, he, as Paul mentioned, it predates uh, Night Vale, and so it's sort of like the early garage band version of you know, just a couple of uh, dudes who wanted to get some actors together and create an audio drama. Um, But I think there's a lot of fun in there still. And you can see us learning on the fly of how to do that theater of the mind of how to, you know, uh, 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 create these images through a combination of a dialogue and exposition and some minimal sound effects. Um, So that's that's always been really fun. And I always really like that. Um, My area that, that I think people should know more about. I'm going to actually go with a person. Um, Christopher priest. He is a African-American writer. Uh, he was an editor back in the day at Marvel, like early eighties, I want to say. Um, and he's a person who, if you saw and enjoyed the black Panther movie, um, you need to go back and read the complete collection of his black Panther comics, which are some amazing um amazing works and a lot of it a lot of what you see in that movie is taken from his stuff not directly but sort of but you can tell that they read it uh, uh the everett ross character specifically but then a lot of the just sort of the tone and elements uh, uh, in the movie are you know come from this run um he's a guy that i followed for a long time he never gets that sort of big name acclaim that some of the other comics writers do um but he always writes really i would say he doesn't pander to the reader he respects the reader's intelligence, and so stories are sometimes difficult. They don't always fit naturally into the genre. He's currently writing Deathstroke for DC um, in the in their post rebirth era, and you know sometimes the stories don't always click exactly with him. But he's always trying to do something really interesting. So, uh, you know, he, I, 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 it's hard for me, having been through the gritty '90s uh, comics, um, to even recommend a book called Death Stroke but it's he's actually doing a great <laughs> a great job with a villain character a a hired hitman and sort of dealing with not like redeeming him necessarily But it is
3: about
1: about his up and downs of redemption or aims at it and how he fails and everything like that. Um, But yeah, he's a guy that I always look for. Um, Some crazy runs that have never been collected anywhere. He did Quantum and Woody for Valiant back in the 90s. That's what I was
3: thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Quantum and Woody is, I remember his name on that in the 90s. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that was phenomenal. And he did the Black Panther run that was really great uh, at Marvel Knights uh, around 2000-ish and on. And then, um, and he's got, he did some, one of my favorites that I like to talk about this is the super deep dive because this has never been collected it's a book called zero with an X E R and then the digits the zero digit and it is literally about a uh an african american nba player who dresses in white face to be an assassin at night at, like a wetworks operative at night um and it is about and it got truncated and, and hit by events and, and like they think it maybe lasted like 20 issues or something or less <laughs> um it is a bizarre it talks about race and celebrity culture and uh and and in its heart it's this guy like growing a conscience um and it is utterly fascinating if very flawed i think largely because of the factors outside of him but uh you know if you want like a deep dive gem to track down try and find that in your quarter bins That's or amazing. something it is phenomenal That's it's awesome. unique uh, uh <laughs> nothing else like it out
2: there um not so he wears white face to be an assassin, like, yeah, he, to, like
1: just wear a ski. He, he dresses up like a, a six foot tall, blonde, blue eyed white man. Uh, uh, so he, he's sort of like the James Bond guy when he's out doing that, like maybe even without a
3: mask.
2: Is there a reason? for There that? is a
1: reason for it. yeah. You, you you get it through the series, and I won't spoil it. And also, I can't okay. really remember off the top of my head, but
3: there Wait, was <laughs> I'm looking at some of the artwork right now. It looks it, great. yeah, uh, artwork by
1: Criss Cross, awesome. um, and it's it yeah, it, it's it's pretty phenomenal. Um, I think uh, Paul, to answer your question, part of it is because uh, the celebrity, like he's a well-known uh, uh, NBA player. You know, he's sort of like Michael Jordan and uh, uh, Dennis Rodman combined, or something like that. Like he's this like beast on the court and uh everybody knows him and he doesn't get along with his players and so it's got that whole side of it but then it's got this whole and then they go and be an Ah. assassin
2: (laughs) i've never heard of that That sounds wild that sounds really cool
1: yeah
0: there's your deep dive for you that that's pretty deep that's pretty that's an awesome deep dive i i can (laughs) i can hear uh rob from the comic box which is another one of our shows on the network <laughs> quickly <laughs> looking it up on whatever
3: browser he has open before. oh hell yeah amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah i've got it open already it's bookmarked i'm, <laughs> I'm tracking that down for sure 100 <laughs> percent um so you're here uh we're going to be talking about uh, your current project uh, later in the show the margins are so, uh it is, the next question up is, what are you working on right now? But um, you know, I guess we can introduce that idea now.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I can, we can also add that, like, so we're, we're finishing up the margins right now and that's going to come out. Um, and so we'll talk about that. I'm also working right now on the second volume of lost angels. Um, that is uh, the first volume is in print and people can go and and, and search it out and check it out. Um, but the second volume we're releasing digitally on comiXology. So I'm in the midst of lettering some of those, um, um, pages right now for the third issue that should go up online pretty soon. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the other stuff I'm working on right now.
2: I was kind of taking, taking it easy. <laughs> <laughs> taking, taking a nap. No, I'm just like, no, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm watching as, uh, no, I'm, I'm watching as uh, Amanda, the artist on the margins, um, drop stuff in the Dropbox and get to see the inks and everything. And it's just really, it's surreal. Cause like now we get to talk about it because it was something that, you know, we, we worked on years ago, like just this pitch. And um, Dave said, I have a couple of ideas that I'm going to take to the conventions and see if anyone's interested. And um, one of those pitches was a thing that sort of like he mentioned, and then I kind of latched onto and like sort of like we're sort of like an anemone and a clownfish. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just like. <laughs> I just like, we're, we're in together on this. And so, and Dave was nice enough to pitch it as like a a project that we could both work on. Um, and, uh, he was like, Hey, someone, you know, fan base press was, was kind of interested in this. And, you know, do you still want to work on it? I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. And fast forward years later, it's now at the point where we're at promoting it and it just, it, it feels like, are we allowed to say this? Like, no, are we allowed to talk about it? Like, everything's a secret. And, you know, so that's it, kind of surreal. And, and being, and coming from comics journalism where I was interviewing other people, it's really weird for me to be on the other side of that. And, um, so that's, and, and Dave has a little bit more, um, familiarity with being on the other side of the interview because as you mentioned lost angels, but for me, this is my first project out there. And it's kind of like I've been telling people it's like when I got my first tattoo, I just want to do more. I just want to like, now that it's like finally a thing, I just want to go out and come up with more projects. So I have some ideas, but, uh, everything's all in this sort of like, uh, gooey (laughs) jello thing. It's not quite, it's not quite bouncing yet. So I want to make sure that it's all firmed up. And this is a weird analogy and it's been kind of gross. But no, I have so some things that I want to work on, but it's, it's not time yet. Seeing so. enemies, Jello, o we, we got
1: you. All right.
2: I'm <laughs> in a weird headspace, man.
0: <laughs> well, thank you guys for, for kind of sharing with us your, your geekiness and, and getting it, letting us get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we're going to move on to our weekly geekery, which is where we talk about what we've done this week that's geeky. And uh, Ray, have you had time to be geeky this week?
3: Oh, man. Uh, it's midterms this week. So I have pretty much, uh, besides working full time, have been spending the rest of my life in the studio painting. Um, having, I'm, as a matter of fact, my my last midterm is tonight. So when we're done uh, podcasting today, I'm going to head down to the studio and just paint my butt off until it's time to go to that last midterm. But, um, so I've had to put, uh, you know, the Netflixing on hold, um, and, and reading all the reading I'm doing is, is going towards the MFA nowadays. But, um, part, part, it's cool that part of my work, because I work at an art school, I mean, there's, you know, geekiness abounds, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yesterday was um, – we give one, – one Saturday a month, we set aside to uh, – we come in to give tours for those families that can't come and tour the school during the week. And so yesterday was my, my shift. And uh, in taking a couple of tours around our Game Art um, area of our campus – yesterday uh I, i'm just always struck you know every now and then i mean you most days it's ho yeah you know game art we do animation blah blah but then sometimes it really hits you in the face like who who we have working at our school and um we we visited uh a class that's being taught by neil wojan who's um an artist at uh, blizzard he's done a lot of work for blizzard um on uh Titles like uh, Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm and World of Warcraft. Uh, Neil's been teaching at our school for years now. And so it's really cool to go in and just sit and watch him, you know, do his thing. Um, and then uh, also there was a class yesterday taught by Scott Flanders, who's a, a concept artist at Riot Games. And um, he actually brought in a friend of his who's a senior artist. I didn't catch his name, but uh, it was a jam-packed room. Everyone was in there to, to watch, you know, and learn from directly from these artists that are doing really cool things uh, in the game industry. So that's, that's about as geeky as, as it got for me this week. And it was, you know, thankfully in the course of my, my work anyway,
0: that's, that's pretty geeky. Uh, like
3: I'm telling you one <laughs> of these
0: days, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna invade your school. and just fan <laughs> all
3: your artists. Yeah. That sounds rad. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know the next Saturday tours I'm doing. You can book a tour and come down and hang out with
0: me. <laughs> yeah, because honestly I would because I, I love the art in – I'm a huge Blizzard gamer. So I would just – I would be a puddle
3: on the floor. I would be
0: <laughs> – I would embarrass yeah. you, Ray. I, I'll be honest.
3: <laughs> I mean that happens to these students. You know, I gave a tour yesterday to a student from Seattle and uh, she's looking at our game art program and our illustration program. And you can just tell when you got them. You know, we're there to check out the school. And when I say, Oh, this is Neil. He worked on overwatch and they just practically become a puddle. We're like, okay, good. This one's in the bag. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. It's awesome.
0: Um, I was on a podcast this week that I didn't have to edit. It was awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I was on episode 45 of the frazzle cast, which is a world of Warcraft podcast. And, um, I don't think I have had so much fun on a podcast in a very, very long time. I mean, we always have fun doing stuff on here, but you know, there, there's, it's nerve wracking when you go on somebody else's show because you want to make sure that you're, um, you know, you're supporting them and you're making sure that you're keeping it interesting. And so I always feel like there's pressure on, on me as a guest <laughs> to be like interesting and, um, and both. Um, uh Frasley, which is his game handle, Frasley uh, and uh, and his other guest, Leisha, um, who I actually had on um, a very early episode of this podcast. Um, the three of us just sat around and talked Warcraft for two hours. And just, it was one of the most enjoyable, relaxing can we just hang out some more kind of podcasts? It was really, really, really great. So I, I wanted to thank Frasley for, for having me as part of his show. Cause it was, it was an excellent experience. Cool. And then the other thing is, is I have been looking, I, I sort of abandoned my poor husband when I was doing, um, my, my theater, I'm a, a drama teacher and, and we did, uh, we just finished, uh, our musical a couple weeks ago and poor Matt, was like, <laughs> we don't spend time together anymore. So I was like, all right, what can we do? And we were we were like listing all these things. We gotta find something that both of us will enjoy and both of both of us will um will will get into. And he's been really into writing lately. He he's been working on a novel for years and he's finally I think he just got to ninety-five thousand words this week. Like he's he's yeah. really feeling like oh, nice. yeah he's he's ready to kind of start getting it edited down and 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 shopping it out and um, and I had pitched to him a story a while ago and I had reminded him of it and he goes that's this is really a cool idea let's sit down and flesh it out and maybe this is something we could co-write and I had just kind of like the the shell of like I know I want this to happen and I know this is the basic idea premise but i have no idea what else to do and we sat down for maybe five hours last weekend and just just wrote character sketches for all of these characters and it's like okay now we have a direction to go with the story so like we're we're all excited to get together again and um and just start writing it's just it's fun to be able to be creative and and do it in a a very small setting as opposed to you know my theater where it's like, it requires 50 people to get it done. You know, this is just the two of us in a, in a office being able to kind of create this world. And it was just a lot of fun. So that was my, that was my geekiness this
2: week. So when that, when that jello firms up and you get that jello bounce, that's what I'm talking about. That's
0: it. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Um, that's so interesting to me to how you negotiate the two voices. It's something I want to, you know, get into a bit more later, but, um, it seems to be a theme today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is something that we can talk about forever. Like that's one of our favorite themes of conversation. So, um, yeah, we can definitely get it. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, and I went into it a little bit nervous because Matt has very strong opinions and I tend to be a little bit more of a follower. And I was like, but this is my idea. So I want to make sure that, you know, I don't get, it doesn't get lost and become his. And we were, I think a little bit surprised at how well we worked together. And I think it was because we were working on each other's strengths. Like he's very much about a slice of life. He's much more a slice of life writer where he can really set mm-hmm. up a scene that is um, very realistic and and makes sense and and has character motivation. Where I'm all into the fantasy and the comic books, and let's make this kind of crazy. And so, because we're coming at it from two different angles, it was it was really fun to to do. So, so yeah, yeah.
1: thanks. Cool. How about you, gentlemen? Um, let's see. So this is geeky things we did this week. Yes. Um, I guess the biggest one would be last weekend was the Emerald City comic-con um, I don't know if you guys have are frequent conventions or anything like that but the Emerald City Show is a great show um, I was in Artist alley so me and my uh, collaborator on Los Angeles Chris Anderson uh, he and I were selling our books um, And, uh, yeah, just it's a great show. It's a great, very comic centric show. People are there because they love comics, uh, as opposed to like the San Diego Comic Con, where you do have the comics there, but it's so massive that you have all the other multimedia there, um, which Mm -hmm. makes it great if you're a broad spectrum geek because there's a little bit of everything there. Uh, but, um, but in, in this case, um, uh uh you know this is really kind of seems a little more focused on comics and it, it just it, people are it's great being out there you like I, we talked about the cosplayers and you know there's fans out there um it was really interesting because we're sort of this small little artist booth right and we've got a couple books out um next to us is a big sort of cheesecake uh superhero art print like that kind of airbrushed art and then on the other side <laughs> of us was the sort of like the uh emo uh manga-esque romance comic with like the web following and it was you couldn't be more different and we were sandwiched in the middle trying to pick a few off of each side like hey come over here you might like our ya uh uh, urban sci-fi fantasy or you might like our horror book about a kid that puts on a devil costume um you know and like it, it, it it was bizarre like and we did get you know people but it was really bizarre to see um You know, it's cool, actually, to see these two very different audiences, like these teen girls like running up. Oh, my God, they're here. They have the second volume this time, you know, of, of like the romance girls next to us. And then like the guys with his girlfriend going like, hey, look at that kick ass venom over there. You know, and you get all of that in one spot, you know, and that's super cool, especially if you're a broad spectrum geek, you know. I was, yeah. on a, I was on a panel on Saturday night, and that was a lot of fun, too. It was about villains and what makes a great villain. And so I was there with a couple of uh, authors, um, Annalee Newitz, who is uh, uh, the founder of io9, um, and also mm-hmm. an author, and uh, a couple of uh, uh, women, uh, female writers from my workshop, uh, uh, Erica and Desiree, uh, who write for video games and stuff like that, um, <clears throat> and TV and movies. And another uh, author, Alex Marshall, uh, did a fantasy novel, and we just, you know, we had this great crowd, and we got really literary. But we're talking about, you know, what makes a great villain, uh, uh, why we like villains, why when we we start to become fans of villains, and then when it goes too far. And it was a really interesting conversation.
2: So give me, give me, because I, I I really wish that I could have been there. Give me a spectrum of sort of like what villains you talked about.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, uh, So this guy, Alex, I think his his name is Jesse, but he writes under a name Alex. He went on this long treatise about Thulsa Dune from uh, the James Earl Jones character from the first Conan movie. Uh, (laughs) Anna Lee went on a a long thing about Agent Smith uh, from uh, The Matrix. I talked about the devil. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We talked about about Games of Thrones characters. We talked about, um, uh, you know, like, like. Antiheroes and, and villains and, and where that line is, um, you know, is the villain an antagonist by nature or can a villain be the, be the protagonist of a book? And how does that work? You know, what happens? Uh, do they inevitably become an antihero? So we talked about all that kind of stuff.
2: Interesting. Cool. Um, so for me... Um, Let's see. I caught the, uh, the finale of Star Wars Rebels. I mentioned I'm a big Star Wars fan. That was really cool. Um, I would say not, not the most, not the biggest and most operatic, uh, finale in Star Wars Rebels, uh, history, but, um, it was a, I, I felt like it was a very satisfying ending. <laughs> and, um, one of the, one of the cool things I noticed about that was that, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but, um, so the main character, so Ezra, um, has grown up on this show and he had sort of the um, Aladdin kind of bowl cut in the beginning. And he was, you know, the, like straight up Aladdin, like a street rat kind of character and like uh, stealing from the Imperials and all that stuff and kind of obnoxious. And um, I, I didn't love that character. But by the end, they did some they, they like they stealthed up on me and I was like, I, I'm really into this character. Like if you actually take a look um, at the blueprint for that character, he's really, um, he's really empathetic. And he's also, he also has a really strong connection to animals, which again, sort of my thing. So, but I was like, and also like he sort of at some point stopped being obnoxious and became a really interesting protagonist. So, um, I'm really impressed with what they did, uh, character wise in that show. And then it, it leaves things off in a really interesting place so that, um, you know, if, if they decide to do this as another series or if they explore it in the books or they do it in film, whatever um, there's some interesting uh, loose threads there that they could, they could play with. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, haven't gotten to um, the new season of Jessica Jones yet. I, I have that on, oh, on yeah. deck. Um, excited about that. Um, what else? Uh, I mentioned the Nintendo direct earlier. Uh, I've become sort of a, big Nintendo geek uh in the past couple years I think through the switch it's a really cool game system um they're making really smart choices after the debacle of the Wii U Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of cool um and uh it's interesting to look at it because I didn't grow up with Nintendo systems um I I had Game Boys throughout the year, so I had the portable stuff, but I never had a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo or even an N64, although I did rent it for like for like birthdays and stuff from Blockbuster. Do you remember when you could do that stuff? Yes. Like you could like you could rent a console and it had this big like hard shell box with a handle on it and you take it home and you know, you have it for like a weekend or something. So <laughs> I would, I remember doing that and playing like Mario 64 and stuff, but, um, I was always like a, a Sega and PlayStation guy. And so I missed that part of, um, that part of my Nintendo story or that part of my youth. So, uh, I was, I was very excited when they came out with the, uh, uh, super Nintendo, uh, mini system that came out last year. And I like woke up real early and went to target like, (laughs) five o'clock in the morning and, uh, and waited in line. And that was, that was a neat, like geeky community thing to like, like the first five people, like talk about it and like what their story was and, um, what games they were excited to play and stuff like that. Uh, but but anyways, that this, this, uh, Nintendo direct where they announced some of the upcoming games and really excited for, uh, for WarioWare coming back. Um, those little mini games, it's like just Nintendo at its most absurd and weirdest. And um, I like that Nintendo is embracing just like really strange ideas like like that, like Splatoon is just bizarre. It's just such a, a strange and it's like it, it's inspired a really interesting fandom. Like if I could say if I could go back to that question about our favorite fandoms that's that's a really interesting one um because you see weird splatoon cosplay with like people with like you know octopus heads and stuff and there's whole like it's very that's exactly where i'm like and who are you supposed
1: to be dearie
2: (laughs) (laughs) so were you like so so just to to bring that back you were uh your your son was there with his friend yeah um and he just graduated high school or is he's going he's about to? to graduate high school. Yeah. So, so is that it? So like, do you like lean on him to like, be like, what the hell is that? Like, what is that Minecraft? Like, what is that? <laughs> a little bit. Like, yeah. What am I looking at? We honestly didn't
1: talk about it too much uh, while we were there, but he definitely has a broader knowledge of the video game stuff. Yeah. If it's sort of like, uh, uh, I hate to say it this way, but like sort of younger or newer uh, video game. Yeah. I got to go to him. And he usually at least has some idea of what it is.
2: So you got like that, that asset you've got, like, you, you can lean on that. Oh, so sure. you have your your fandom from the dark ages, you know, and then you've got like, <laughs> yeah. his stuff where he can be like, Yeah, that's Naruto. Like, that's
1: I'm a really big fan of these scrolls here. These, <laughs> uh, back in my day, <laughs> the hieroglyphs.
2: <laughs> it was, it was, it was like the I wrote Band-off this great, Isengard this, going through the scrolls. This great stuff. Zeus fanfic that I uh, found. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> so anyways, that's, that's sort of what I've been up to. I'm, I'm, hyped for some Nintendo games coming out and, uh, I'm just like a big man child for that stuff. I'd like Kirby bring it on like the, super into it.
0: the the switch is awesome like i i love my switch i haven't had a whole lot of time to play lately but i i am a huge fan of the switch and it's the first kind of console i've had for a while i'm I'm Mm -hmm. much more of a computer gamer and so my thumbs don't really know what to do but (laughs) i'm learning i'm learning like my my brother was like how do you not like um zelda um what's the Something of the wild, the new one, the breath of the breath of the, breath wild. Of the wild, and I was like, yeah. because it's too complicated. Like for somebody who has <laughs> never had to use joysticks, you know, I have not used joysticks yeah. since I played on an Atari.
2: <laughs> so, yes,
0: <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's just like it's not my thumbs don't work. But I was like, okay, I can do Mario. Mario is simple enough, and so I'll just learn, and then I'll try. I'll try link again when I'm a little bit more. There's
2: a good mix because there's a lot of retro games on there, and there's a lot of like new retro games. You know, like in that style, like Celeste, like is just like a really cool like side-scrolling platformer thing, and yeah, you don't have to you don't have to get into all the 3D analog stuff. So there's there's something for for everybody on there, except Dave, but like that's yeah.
1: Funny. I just the button I can <laughs> mash. The faster I mash it, the more things I blow up. Right. That's how it was. That's my, my
2: man, <laughs> breath of the wild was like breath of the wild was such a lifesaver for me last year. I was so depressed and, um, may, there was this election maybe you've heard about. I don't know. I was super, I was like super down <laughs> about it. And like, I was just like, I couldn't watch the news the Nintendo anymore. Got so you through. <laughs> like, so like, no, I straight up. Like I got, I got the, the switch a little bit after launch and, and I played breath of the wild and, um, it was, uh, it was a really good escape. And um, I love the way it lays out story because you can pick up certain um, uh, flashbacks to like a hundred years before the events of this game. And uh, you can do it in sort of any order. So it has this re- really interesting nonlinear open world storyline. and uh, And I love that about it. And just like solving puzzles and you can just go around, like, I'm going to pick it, I'm going to pick up the switch and sit down and I'm going to go, I'm going to, do some mining for like 15 minutes. I'm going to go look for different, you know, precious gems and stuff by blowing up the side of this mountain. And um, you can go on like mining runs with your little hand glider thing. And, um, or you can tackle some of the bigger things, but um, that, that was just like such a, if I could, you know, there are certain things I can point to that throughout my life, you know, with anxiety and depression, I could point to and be like that, that really helped me here. Like, like, the TV show Monk was really helpful to me at like one point in my life. <laughs> Breath of the Wild was another one. The West Wing—they're like certain touch touchstones for me that like mm-hmm. I will always be grateful for. That's awesome. That's very Jello. Cool. Jello, big important <laughs> thing for my emotional well-being. <laughs>
0: Well, awesome. Well, it sounds like we all had geeky weeks in some form or another. So that's awesome. Uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to learn all about the margins. And we'll be right back. I'm Void.
2: And I'm Beach. And together, we're the Geek to Geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever.
0: Hey
2: everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box each week right here on the Geek to Geek Podcast Network.
0: And download our podcast today. And we're back. And today, uh, David and Paul are here to tell us all about their project, uh, The Margins.
2: So, gentlemen, get us started. G- give us a background for, for what The Margins is. So, 7,000 years ago, Dave sent me an email. Uh, <laughs> and I think, no, I think, so, it, it, the Colonel was, it started with you, that you wanted to work on something, and we didn't know it was a comic book at that point. Necessarily, because we were just looking for things to work on together, Um, and we always were. So um, this could have been, this could have turned into prose. It could have turned into a radio drama because that's where we, you know, that's that's where we started out our collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea was that Dave, Dave liked this idea of that mesh between the real world. And, and fantasy worlds or like the collective consciousness of imagination of storytelling. Um, right. our podcast that we did fuzzy typewriter was always about, uh, story storytellers, art and artists. And so we were just very, uh, in the weeds on the meta narrative on what is it? Why do we tell stories? What is, what is so infectious about stories? So we talked about the, the, The the germ and the virus of storytelling. And it just sort of like built on from there. And then we realized that this was something that we wanted to work on together. Uh, And you brought it to fan base press,
1: right? Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we, I love that idea of like creativity as a virus, like, and and also the other part, um, as that we're both fans of is the world building. And so it was kind of like this idea in my head that, you know, what if like Oz and Narnia and Wonderland were all variations on a theme, but like, you know, we, what if we tap into them, but what if sometimes they tap into us? And so I had this, you know, sort of that portal worlds idea, but I wanted to give it our own spin. And I remember we talked about it for a while and we kind of came up with this whole idea and then we kind of didn't know what to do with it. It kind of withered a little bit, uh, you know, withered on the vine. It was like we, we over-talked it. Right. And then like we went away from it for, I don't know, probably six months or so. And then I, I kind of just had it, it came, it popped into my head again. I'm like, well, what if we just streamlined it? And it's just like, a guy that uh, uh, is an artist, and he starts drawing things, and they start coming into the real world, but then he's got to, like, rise up and save, like, I don't know, his girlfriend gets uh, uh, taken into this world or something like that. And it, it seemed like that had something to it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But we kept we kept working it out because um, we didn't want to fall into all the usual tropes. And so by the time yeah, I and pitched I just- it
2: to – I just I just wanted to I just want to jump in because like I always threw in wrenches of stuff because I was like that's cool world Dave we can't do cool world like no that's (laughs) that's never-ending story we can't do never-ending story like what like that's
1: a lot of the greatness of collaboration is I would throw out ideas and he would shoot them down Um, no I mean he he would sort of like (laughs) make sure that I wasn't falling too into something that was too similar and and I think we and I probably did that for him as well we're back and forth we sort of figure out what works and what doesn't and sometimes it can get frustrating because you feel like okay we're not on the same page it's not working Uh, but eventually we streamlined it enough that we're like okay this is solid and I took it to Barbara and Bryant at Fanbase Press and I pitched it to them um, one, one, uh, caveat, uh, one slight alteration from what uh, Paul said earlier. It wasn't actually at the conventions that I pitched it to them. It was in their oh, living okay. room. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I mean, we talked to them about it at a convention and then I actually was at their like living the room. Like the middle of
2: the night, you're in their living, rooms, yeah, like, what in their the living room. What the hell is that? Like they come down with a baseball bat. I, I like, brought oh, this back. back. Um, you know, <laughs> I just said, okay,
1: here's what we're going to talk about. So I pitched them a couple of ideas and I knew I had them when I got to this and I won't spoil it because it's a big part of the graphic novel, but I'm, I'm describing what's going on. I'm doing that classic, like Hollywood pitch session. Right. And then this happens and Barbara goes, Oh, and I said, Oh, I got them on this one. You know, they're they're going (laughs) to like this. Um, But then Barbara and Bryant, they're really great at being supportive of the art, but also throwing in their own wrenches. Um, Mm -hmm. Barbara very specifically said, well, you know the way you have it here you have this guy and he's saving his girlfriend is there any way that you can make it like the girl saving her boyfriend or maybe they're not even straight you know and 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 i'm like oh well yeah there's no real reason that this has to be a guy i don't know why i defaulted to that we 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 were still trying to be a a bit diverse where i think the the main the lead was a a asian american character um but he was male and i was thinking like indie comic scene i think it was in my mind it was sort of uh um uh, what's the optic nerve guy's name, Paul? Uh,
2: Adrian uh, Tomine.
1: Tomine, yeah, Adrian Tomine. Like in my mind, he was like that, one of those characters, right? Like uh, one of his characters. Um, uh, but uh, but as I took it back to Paul, and I'm like, well, you know, Barbara, they weren't pushing this on us. They were just saying, what if? And Paul and I started talking about it, and we're like, well, yeah, what what if it is, uh, um, you know, a, a woman. And maybe she has a boyfriend. I'm like, well, maybe she has a girlfriend, you know, like maybe that's just, and then we still didn't want to get into the damsel in distress thing. So that, what that did is that forced us to kind of specify our characters a little bit. Okay. If they are a couple, if it's two women, who's the woman that's, you know, in danger? Maybe she, you know, she's got her own life. We got to give her her own agency. And so that really informed uh, the shape of the story as we then broke down like a detailed outline, um, just going back and forth. Do I have that right, Paul? We kind of we kind of worked that yeah. into it. And then we sort of created an extensive outline, more like a treatment, right? That was maybe like five, six pages long. Um, yes. And we kind of really solidified the concept of what we were talking about. And uh, I guess we should probably talk and- about what the concept is right
2: (laughs) so and and i should say that like for a long time um longer than is is probably healthy like we didn't have the ending totally like figured out or like we had we had z figured out but like x and y were a little Yeah, we had kind of the
1: arc in mind, but not necessarily, you know, I don't know how you guys are with creative stuff. But like, if it's too mapped out for me, I can get a little bored, I have to have some magic left in the actual scripting process. And so, you know, for us, I think it worked that we kind of had this end point in mind, but we didn't know exactly how it was going to resolve. And we just were like, okay, we'll come back to that later.
0: I think that's that's very interesting because I hear I've heard from a lot of writers that their process is um, to to kind of let their characters do the work and take them on this journey. And I always thought, well, like, how do you sit down and write and not know where the story is going? That makes no sense to me. And then I did <laughs> I did nano for the first time, and I was like, oh my god, I just added a character that I didn't expect. Well,
1: how- yeah, I and isn't that great when that now. happens? I yeah, mean, it's it, so great. It's amazing. And, and that's the thing is, you, if you can, you can't not know, you can not know where you're going, but you have to know your characters and then they tell yeah. you where to go. Now with a graphic novel like this, there's also another factor, which is you have a limited page count, you know, like 10,000 words in a novel. Isn't that big a deal? Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's a couple extra chapters, maybe. Um um, and, and and that's not a huge deal in selling a novel. But a graphic novel, if you say we're going to do it in 120 pages, you damn well better make sure that story works in 120 pages. And you can only do so many panels on a page. Um, mm-hmm. and so there is this template there that we had to fill. So, we know, so we're sort of editing ourselves as we go along. Like, okay, well, we know that the first act has to kind of break about 30 pages in. And then we can get into this longer. So we had to keep refining the outline as we went. But we knew, like, okay, we've got these last... 30 pages at the end and these are going to be the finale and we know basically there's a big confrontation but we didn't know how exactly the details were going to fall out and that's okay but we just knew we have to keep in mind that we've got about 30 pages you know and that and there's only so much you can do with that um in in the comic book language
2: Yeah and it's sort of that it's it's a little of that. Um, let's, let's take Ben Franklin as an example. Like he's got this idea, like he sees outside, there's like lightning. He goes to the story, buys a kite. That's step two. Step three is he waits for the next storm. What's step five. And then step six is be remembered forever as a great genius. So like we have like all those parts. There's just the one missing thing. Um, The other thing I should like when, when Dave's talking about like refining stuff this isn't like we're sitting down and we both have the outline in front of us on our laptops and it's it's not like, um, you know, in uh, in Google Docs or something where you're collaborating that way. Most of what – most of our collaboration is over Skype. Um, it's like we'll, we'll get on, on Skype and have six, like a six-hour-long conversation about how the story should go and you're telling each other the story. Mm-hmm. And one person will be like, okay – So we have these broad sort of beats, but then there's something that one of us is is particularly interested in or worried about. Like, we have to figure out the solution to this plot thing. And so we'll grab onto that or put it aside, whatever. You grab what you're most interested in. And the the way I liken it to – or the way I explain it to other people is that I really – respect Dave. And, and when I tell a story, I don't want him to think that I'm an idiot. (laughs) So it forces me to make choices on the fly because that's, that's sort of what the creative process is, is, is figuring out there's a problem, identifying problem, and then figuring out possible solutions. But when I'm writing on my own, I have a lot of trouble figuring out which of those solutions is the right path because I could see them being equally viable. It's that thing where creative people have trouble with multiple choice questions because you can, you can take any of the ABC or D you can figure out, you know, a rationalization for all of those being the correct answer. That's why we do better on essay questions in a lot of cases. (laughs) Right. And
1: and as a writer, every time you choose path A, you sort of have to lament that now you don't have B, C, and D available to you. You're, you're narrowing, you're pruning as you go, right? You're narrowing because you have to come to this inevitable conclusion and it has to feel inevitable. But along the way, as a writer, you're, you're snipping branches off. You're going like, okay, well now I no longer can do that where it takes me on this thing, you know, until miraculously, you maybe find later that it does fit in that the choice D was buried deep in choice A somewhere. But the fact is, yeah, you you have to lament that you, you make every choice you makes takes you away from some other possibility.
2: Yeah. Right, right. So in a collaboration the other person can help you whittle down from okay yeah. C and D like they're kind of neat but like <laughs> that's not really that doesn't service the story. So like it's really an a, a or b. And really if we if we look at it it's b because we're able to do a little bit of you know a we're able to solve that in in b. So the, the thing about not wanting to sound like an idiot is like I'm forced when in telling the story to Dave. Like we're just basically like retelling the story to each other over and over again in different parts and fleshing out different sections of it um, and giving different areas of it attention um, for that particular day. And so I'm forced to make that quick choice in my on the fly between a and B when I'm explaining it to Dave, because otherwise I'm just an incoherent mess. So then Dave's like, yeah. And then you're like, okay, so i made the right choice because that made sense to him. And then we move on to the next thing. So and that's how you make progress.
3: Sometimes you have to explore a certain choice before you realize, Oh, maybe that's not the way to go. Let's backtrack or.
1: Yeah. 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 I've had plenty of times where right? I get all excited and I've got this great idea. And Paul's like, yeah, but and I'm like, Oh, and sort of that, crust, you have know, that moment of like press fallen, but eventually you you sort of realize, okay, no, he's right that that's weaker. Uh, it, it's even better when Paul will then come back with, you know, that doesn't really work. But what if? And I'm, and then he blows me away with something that I didn't see coming because that's the other part. You know, we talked about we were talking about collaboration and uh, the respect you have for one another. You have to have that respect where you are open to the other's idea, not so steadfast in your own um, version of things. Um, and, and with that has to come this respect. And it's like, so if, right. if, if I know that I can't, if it's not really working and he's telling me it's not really working, but then he comes up with something that, you know, like it may be the better idea. And I always try right. to be like the best idea on the table wins. That doesn't mean I won't mm-hmm. fight for my idea if I'm passionate about it, but at the end of the day, we'll sort of, we'll talk through it until, you know, no one feels hurt feelings, but like we, we both feel like, you know, that the best idea is the one that ended up on the table.
3: So what, uh, knowing the things you wanted to work in and with input from uh, your or feedback from your publisher and going through this process, what was the premise that you landed on? What's the premise for the margins?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I realized we got deep into process really quick without telling you what the story is actually about. So The Margins is about um, two young women, a couple, um, who have moved together um, into Portland, Oregon. Uh, Charlie is an artist. She's from um, Canada. She's from Toronto. Um, and Rita, her girlfriend, is is from uh, southern california and they met online uh this is all in the past they're just you know the point that we meet them they're at a couple they're a couple that has recently moved together uh, to live together in portland um and charlie's sort of an introvert um she hooks up with a a writer friend who she's only met online, even though he lives in Portland. Um, And she is going to draw for him a comic book based on a pulp manuscript that was um, created by his great grandfather. He finds it and he's like, I so inspired by it. It seems so vivid to him that he passes it along to Charlie and uh, uh, they begin
2: and she just assumes it's like a new yeah. idea. It's Maybe. a new IP. Like she doesn't know that this is based on this old manuscript. And that But there's the, here's a
1: chance for them to work together, to collaborate, uh, to create an indie comic. Uh, there's that meta-narrative. Um, and But as she does so, um, for she and for Gordy, the writer, uh, uh, the elements in this story start to become a little too real. And these elements from this story begin to creep their way into Portland. Um, and so thematically, it is a story about... Um, how creativity can at once be isolating for us, but it can also uh, bind us together. Uh, it can connect us. Um, it can, it can like the force, it can heal, uh, but it can also, you know, uh, uh, cut us off from things. Um, it's also a story about goblins um, and a very angry old man with a harpoon and pirate ships and rocket ships and uh, 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 giant dragons and all sorts of crazy stuff. So
3: so the story (laughs) focuses or revolves a bit more around – Uh, Charlie and her girlfriend than it does around uh, Gordy, the Gordy character, which is the great grandson character, correct?
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. As it moves along, we really focus in on uh, Charlie and Rita. Rita is um, sort of a great counterpart to Charlie. She is someone who makes home wherever she goes. So while Charlie is struggling a bit with isolation, Charlie is, I'm sorry, when, yeah, Charlie's struggling with isolation. So Rita is already trying to make Portland into her home by her big ambition is to open a tamale truck. uh, food cart uh, in Portland because uh, you know she needs to bring good Mexican food to Portland. Um, <laughs> having lived here now uh, with a Latina fiance um, for about four years, I can attest to you that this is uh, something very needed.
3: Um- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always, always.
2: And I remember that day. I remember like Dave um, will go out. On a, like a sort of in a fugue state and wander around. I don't know if he does it anymore, <laughs> but when he first moved to Portland from L.A., I was worried about him a little bit. I, I don't know if I ever expressed that to you, did, but I was a little worried about you because it's that's a big shift, even though it's the same coast. Moving up that yeah, little right. bit, you lost some things that you were so used to from from growing up in Southern California, <laughs> right. and uh, so this was so the little. So there was a little bit of this was like therapy. And like, I remember the day he discovered this little enclave of food trucks and he was really, really excited about it. I was like, we got to oh, yeah. use this. And actually the, the, and
1: the way that Charlie and Rita meet was based on us talking to a food cart person who had moved there from somewhere in Canada with, with a girlfriend uh, this was a woman and her girlfriend had been, had lived in Bakersfield and they like met online. Like I literally stole that
0: <laughs> Like,
1: that's like a great a story of how you two met. And I think we didn't know exactly how Charlie and Rita had met yet. And we kind of decided that that's perfect. They're coming each from a different area and they're choosing a new home. And so thematically it's about, you know, kind of making your new home and, and, and what it's like to do that. Um, and this was, you know, again, like six months into me moving to Portland and, um, kind of realizing I had moved away from a lot of friends and was kind of isolated. And when my fiance went back to, went to work, you know, like six months into our stay here, I suddenly felt super alone. And like Paul was like a lifeline on the other end. So it kind of really fueled a lot of, uh, 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 you know, the relationship and and how this story unfolds.
3: Well, uh, besides you, um, Living there now, and I guess you know, obviously, the angle of taking the angle of like writing what you know was there something more uh, thematically, um, uh, I guess connected to choosing Portland as the setting for the story?
2: Um, good question. Um, I think you know, there was, but it's some of it fell yeah. away, yeah. Actually, um, we, we, uh, I was interested because I was like, okay, Dave's in Portland now, I can send him out. I don't. I'm i I'm a very introverted person. Um, I'm, you know, like a homebody. And, uh, I was like, I can travel vicariously through. <laughs> and so like, I'll send Dave to things in Portland and see what he thinks of them. And I'll never have to go yeah. and put on shoes. And so, uh, I was like interested in, I was, I was, uh, I was watching the, um, the Ken Burns prohibition documentary. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about like uh, all the stuff, all the bootlegging going on in Portland and um, there's like Shanghai tunnels and and, like people just being like kidnapped in Portland and like service. Yeah. But I did go on the, the the underground Um, tour
1: though. So I did go see those Shanghai tunnels and everything. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, to answer your question on my end, um, I think it really was about um, exploring a new place um, and what that meant to me. So it wasn't, it was that I was moving to Portland and, you know, I lived in LA for a long time, um, and, uh, uh, I, it took me, so I, I grew up in, in sort of the Northern California, um, area and then had moved down to LA and you feel like that's a great setting for a lot of movies and novels and stuff. But I think for a long time, I felt like I didn't know LA like a native and that I, like, I couldn't really write about it yet, you know, but by the time yeah. that I wrote my version of LA, which was in my book, Lost Angels, um, You know, I really felt like, okay, I can totally do the LA thing. Like I can write about this town. And by that time, I had just moved to Portland. (laughs) So (laughs) so I'm like, okay, well, now I don't know how to write about Portland. Like I want and so it was a, a way of writing about Portland as a newcomer. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it was just a really interesting way to talk about this move in a very subtle way. But to also, you know, to Paul's point, like I got to explore the town and think about it as my characters would think about it. And uh, and I think that informed it in some, some subtle ways that may not be very overt when you read the graphic novel. Um, but it, it definitely is like sort of the exciting things of food cart pods, um, you know, these little meccas of food carts, which in LA, it's just food trucks, and you don't know where they're going to be and so like that subtle difference was was distinct you know As goblins start to invade Portland in our story, um, I got to kind of look at it from their view. You know, they got—I got to look at my neighborhood of like what would be um, these goblins would be feasting on all the crows and all the people's pet dogs and like all these kind of things. You know, they—they would love this environment. (laughs) You know, squirrels. uh, You know, so I got to kind of uh, just sort of look at the neighborhood through through goblin eyes for a bit, which was kind of fun too.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I I absolutely love Portland, and I know exactly. What you're talking about with the food trucks? Yes, because that, like, you know, the first time my husband and I walked on to one of those, like, like basic lots with just food truck after food truck after yeah. food truck, and and again, I love Portland, so I'm not trying to bag on them, but you did find the one type of food that
1: they can't be hipster about. Uh, Mexican, food. Mexican food, I know. Food. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and you've got great. I came from great Mexican food in L.A. You know, for obvious reasons. And 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 furthermore, as I mentioned, my fiance is Latina, so she has very strong feelings about the kind of Mexican food. You know that it's got to mm-hmm. feel like her grandmother's mm-hmm. cooking, and that really informed a lot of uh, Rita. You know, and and her desires. And but but we kind of pushed it into this. You know, she will make this her home by bringing her food here. You know, That's which great. is a great. contrast to Charlie who's sort of like sitting up in her desk drawing because that is you know her passion that's what she wants to do that's where she's at home but at the same time it's isolating and so that really becomes a a theme uh, throughout the book
3: now you all are um, I forget where I I know you just moved to Portland but where are the other collaborators in this Um, Where is? uh,
2: so I'm in I'm in Philly um and and our artist Amanda mm-hmm. Donahue yeah is, she's in LA. Uh, she's in L A right wow
3: okay so how how did the logistics of that work and uh, is it something that is really not an issue or 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 rather does it how does that inform maybe your creative process in terms of writing and then having the images come in from Amanda
2: sure want to tell you some a little bit of something about the magic of <laughs> of <Tronics>. uh, <laughs> not a sponsor <laughs> like, for, for real for real. <laughs> For, for real Skype and, and Dropbox are the two biggest things. Yeah. And I, other than just like, you know, yeah. straight up email. Um, but, uh, uh like I, I mentioned earlier, I hadn't met Dave when we started this out, like in person, wow. like we've met in person in 2016 and we'd known each other for, Oh yeah. I think 10 years at that point. Um, just online through from the yeah, fanboy community. And then, you know, after that we're thick as thieves, but, um, uh, so it, it was a it was a long time coming. Um, with Amanda, I still mm-hmm. haven't met her mm-hmm. in person, um, but uh, we've we've talked on Skype a couple times. But like we did an interview, I did an interview while while you were at um, Emerald City. Uh, me and Amanda did an interview, and she was talking about some of her background, and I was learning <laughs> for the first <laughs> yeah. time. It was really cool. Um, she's awesome. She's uh, she's an animation, um, and uh, she you will. The thing that I always bring up is, you'll be amazed that this is her first comics work, but it will make a lot more sense when you understand that she's an animator. Um, she's an amazing storyteller, um, very expressive. The, you know, it's 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 very rudimentary to say like, oh man, look at all the facial expressions. That's a, that's another theater <laughs> thing, I think. You'll find familiar, like like when your relatives come and see you in a show, like you're like, oh, all your faces were so good. (laughs) Like that's, yes, that's an important part of acting, but it's like (laughs) it's it's sort of reductive. Um, I I think when you look at her pages, look at look at uh, what Amanda does with the characters' hands, um, and uh, their posture and stuff, and so she's she's a really amazing. Storyteller with character, and and also like creating a sense of place, which is super important when you have two different worlds vying for control over this book. So that's that's a big thing, and 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 time and uh, timelines too. Um, so Dave, you you met Amanda first, and it's yeah. That's uh, really so
1: so the way I met Amanda is that she posted on. So again, while the Wormwood um, podcast ran from like 2007 to 11, maybe, um, you know, we still have a website up there and people still find it cause it's still on iTunes. Um, and, uh, uh, so every once in a while, I'll get like a message board post or something or a post on the website. And Amanda posted to the website and I read it and she says, you know, I'm an I'm an artist um, and you guys got me out of my funk recently. Uh, I was listening to Wormwood, and it's awesome. And, you know, I, I started drawing the characters. Um, and so she she links me to her Tumblr and I go to the Tumblr and I see these great caricatures these great cartoon versions of um dr xander crow and his partner sparrow who are the occult detectives uh from wormwood um at this point, we've already done a Sparrow and Crow comic, and so they've been drawn by another artist, Jared Souza, w- with his own unique style. But she, she, Amanda is sort of purely, I think, uh, uh, listening to the show and imagining these characters. But she had such great emotion and expression in these characters. Um, everything that Paul mentioned was absolutely there. Um, that I, and, and at the time, I had just gotten that pitch approved by, uh, Fanbase Press. And, uh, so I knew we were working on it. And, uh, and, I said to her, you know, have you ever thought about doing comics? And she said, well, I'm familiar with them, but I've never done them before. And uh, I basically said, I, you know, I think you might be a good fit for this. I need to talk to Fanbase Press and and see what we could do. But uh, let me get your contact info and keep you in mind. And uh, we ended up having a to do some thumbnails um, to kind of like, because we could see her character acting and her composition, but it's a bit different in that panel to panel sequential storytelling, right? Like that's Mm -hmm, something that a story, even a storyboard artist may not get that because it's not just like four panels, you know, vertically stacked on a page. It could be, you know, different size panels and they could, you know, and and you can have panels side by side and followed by a big one underneath it. And you can do a lot of stuff. And so we really, we we really needed to see like, can layout, she tell, the, yeah, can yeah, the layout, right? Exactly. Um, and she did a few pages, and we're like, that's it, that that she's got it. Um, the the, the characters look great, and uh, the the, the 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 flow of the storytelling seems about right. I mean, there were a couple things here and there where I think you know, we coached her early on because I think uh. Um, you know there's a few things in comics that you really have to know about which is like the page turn the the way that you can create suspense in a comic book is is by getting to the bottom of the right facing page and then you leave a cliffhanger there so that they have to turn the page and then the first thing they see on that next page is the big surprise you know and Mm -hmm. that's that's a a tool in comics that you need to be aware of and need to take advantage of Um, there's also Mm -hmm. the fact that like you know, if you haven't done books before, you have to remember that a double page spread has to go from the left page to the right page. Um, you know, so that when you open it flat, you're seeing the whole picture, right? Um, okay. If you are an artist and you add in a page before that because you felt like you needed more room, you throw off our double page spread, and I have to and I have to go in and add another page so that we get back on track. You know, and so we had a couple of those early on as we were working. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, overall, like, as Paul said, you know, like, um, we would just chat back and forth via email. We would use Dropbox to link things back and forth. Paul and I um, wrote the script in final draft um, so i uh, uh, it, it, you know I used a comics template in there, and we would just trade the file back and forth and and each work on it that way so yeah, I mean like the the three hour time difference between me and paul isn't isn 't a very big deal. We all have jobs and we all have different commitments, so it 's kind of one of those things where you know, there's always an email waiting if you need one. And if we need to really break something, we we figure out a time on the weekend to do a three hour, six hour Skype call and we just go over everything, you know?
2: And we, and then we just give each yeah. other, like we give each other homework, like, okay, so you're going to work on this and then we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you next week. Um, also in the beginning, I wasn't as, as um, comfortable with final draft. I'd, I'd used movie magic screenwriter in college Mm -hmm. for my screenwriting classes. And even that I sort of like bucked against. So like I was learning final draft, but even like early on I was sending a lot of scenes to Dave just in Gmail. Like I was like literally drafting it in an email. And it
1: wasn't, and, it wasn't just a screenwriting um, a program, time, it was also that you weren't yeah. as comfortable with the comic book pacing of like, I'm not sure if this all fits on five pages right. or four pages or what. And so he would just sort of free write these almost kind of like a combination of monologue with minimal like scene direction, um, but uh-huh. just really free form. And then I would go and say, okay, this is panel one, this is panel two, panel three. And then I would tweak as I went along. But like, yeah, we kind of found our collaboration in that regard of like, f- letting him free up to just tell me what he imagined. And then I sort yeah. of transferred it into the comic book language. That kind of really worked early on. But by the end, Paul was just taking it and like, I'll do these six pages, and then boom, there'd be like an actual full script uh, uh, two days later. And I'm like, whoa, okay, all right.
2: Yeah, and that was that was from seeing like, okay, I I you know wrote it in my weird language, and then you translated into comic yeah, script you, language. You and by seeing out. you do that, right. that was really helpful to yeah. me. Yeah. To and also seeing Amanda's
1: art comics. and knowing what she could so. do. You actually also in in. Uh, brought that into your tool set too. And so by the end you were just like confidently scripting pages and I'm like, okay, I'm not needed here
3: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ron up.
2: I was like, she, she could, that's because she brought her, like she brought oh, really totally. good ideas yeah, very and had added added. a lot um, and did a lot of, did, did a lot of background storytelling that we didn't even consider. Like I'd have to go back and look and I was like, did she come up with that? Or did like nope. Dave script that <laughs> in one of his pages? And I'd look and like, nope, that's all Amanda. But then, but the other thing is, you know, we didn't finish the script totally before she started writing. We had half of it done kind of. And then she had started drawing and just seeing what she was capable of gave me, ideas as to oh she can do this then I'm going to throw this at her and so um there and there are a lot of pages that that one of the reasons we won't be like releasing the script or like including the full script is because a lot of them are me being like oh, no, no, don't kill me um but I think you could do a 12 panel grid and I think you'd be really good at it and like she would do that um but a lot of it is, is me being like you're gonna kill me but um, you know, and so it's 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 very it, like one to one conversation it you got between even writer and More artist. elaborate
1: in your panel descriptions than 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 I get. You know, like towards the end, you went from this sort of free form thing to really like almost dictating. Basically, not dictating because you'd be like, "You're going to kill me," but what if? But I know you can do this. And then you'd have this really elaborate description <laughs> where I was trying to like back off
2: of that and that was because i i i was like i was worried she was gonna get bored i was like i didn't want to just give her like okay here's four panels like i just i wanted to like she was she's really good at like two-point perspective and you know uh, all kinds of stuff and and we and that's also where we were getting into the trippier meta part of the story like bleeding one world into the other and there you kind of have to be a little bit experimental And um, so that was. I, really I got a
3: chance to check out her website, and uh, yeah, that looks great. She's got a few pages from the margins up on her website in various mm-hmm. stages. Um, looks really cool. I it and just reading your description uh, of the premise uh, of, of the book, uh, it, it, it immediately so a kind of Lovecraftian kind of influence came to mind. Yeah. Um, and I think her mm-hmm. her. Style really pairs well with that. It's, it sounds like it's going to be a really cool project. Yeah, really cool book.
1: yeah, she's got this cool cartoony style, but at the same time, this this story does revolve. I, you mentioned Lovecraft; it does revolve around an old pulp author who goes missing in the in like 1937. So we have this sort of older, pulpier uh, manuscript that we start with, and, and and those imagined worlds, and then yeah, then we have this modern thing with these two young women, um, and the you know very vibrant characters. Uh, but yeah, you have yeah. The, these sort of goblins and. And other forces creeping in uh, and and then you have, you know, uh, yeah, it it just it it all sort of somehow her work, even though you might look at it and say, oh, it's it's a bit on the cartoony side for comic book artwork. um, I think it totally works towards capturing the creepier elements in there, but also the funnier elements. So I'm hoping that it's really like creepy thriller but with lots of comedy and humor and slice of life um stuff between the two women we really focused on that early on there's a lot of them like talking to each other and, and going around portland they're they're a couple and um yeah that's some
2: of my favorite stuff quite honestly um it's some of the simpler yeah. things like and we talked a lot about uh, oh yeah that's Modern right Rockets. yeah, yeah. Um, And um, particularly um, Jaime Hernandez's stuff, the the Locust stuff. Um, So like Maggie the Mechanic and things like that. And that was – and we we talked about that before we had an artist lined up and then also just in our um, blocking out the slice of life scenes. Because I like the fact that we have this like half of the pitch is about the supernatural stuff. But I I also got like really into Rita's story of, (laughs) you know, having this food Uh cart and – Um, making it, giving it like all, you know, maybe not equal time, but, um, like it's, it's a lot bigger. Yeah. And talk about making a
1: character, making her presence known to you. Like she, she fought for that spotlight and like just crept into the story in kind of some amazing ways. Uh, it's, it's really fun. Um, uh yeah I think you're right uh the 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 Hernandez brothers and Adrian Tomine were kind of like influences early when I was thinking about how I felt like this should look and feel and so some of the slice of life stuff was really kind of fun and important to do where I even found myself breaking it up almost like well this is a page that's like a vignette on its own and then you turn to the page and now they're at a record store now they're at a cafe or whatever but each page was meant to be kind of feel like a solid beat on its own, you know? Um, yeah. and that's something that also appealed to Amanda as we talked to Amanda about it. Cause she was like, you know, I really like that these girls are just like a couple, but it's not like about, it's not this big dramatic love story about them getting together. They're just, you're coming at them at a different place that we don't always get in fiction, um, where they're mm-hmm. just a couple and it's about how they navigate the world together. And when one has trouble, you know, how the other will be there for them and vice versa, you know? And so I think,
2: and there's no like comic misunderstandings. Like it's like none of the annoying stuff that you see in a romantic comedy yeah. where you're like, come on, like this is just yeah. a, a contrivance. Like there there are tensions and there are arguments that they have, but it's – Yeah, really, I'm stuff. really
1: hoping that that comes through for people uh, when they read this and, and it feels like, you know, it, it's it, – we don't always get fiction that's about a couple just like doing couple things and trying to figure out that – how we each have our own personal desires, but we're, we're sort of – you know, it's not, it's not driving a wedge between us necessarily. You know, they they have little ups and downs throughout, but it really isn't about their love story. It's about their story of moving to Portland and, and, and creativity and home and isolation and connection and all of that.
3: Well, that sounds great. Are you, are you all still, um, in the process of completing this work, uh, I know you you said uh, you know it's in 2018 is do you have a kind of a a, yeah. a timeline for where you're hoping to to roll this out? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, it, it will be out on July 23rd. Um, Amanda is finishing the art now and I'm doing the lettering for it, uh, but we're all still on track that everything should go. We have a plan with the publisher right now. So right now, actually, as we speak, we're taking pre-orders on it. And if you go to the margins just all one word, the you can actually pre-order the book now and they'll ship it to you. Um, when it's printed. Um, and the cool thing there, uh, uh, and I know I'm getting into like like promotion here, but, uh, but I actually believe in this totally is that, um, you, you buy it ahead of time or you order it ahead of time. They'll ship it out to you. You'll get a book plate, uh, in the graphic novel signed by us and you'll get a sketch from Amanda. Um, and I'm also, yeah. So that's on on its own. That's awesome. I'm also writing a short story, like a prose story that you'll get in a digital format. I don't know yet if it will be like a PDF or an EPUB or, you know, it might be both. You might. get to choose um but the short story i'm writing is a companion story it can be read separately with it after it before it but it takes that same premise of this fictional world and i'm doing a story uh set in in partly in 1983 and in 1970 um and it my high concept pitch for it is basically like the goonies meets the old dungeons and dragons cartoon meets uh platoon (laughs) <laughs> me, me, meets Platoon. Let, let me, oh <laughs> my god! So it is about kids. Kids in 1983 playing a, a little brother's D D game that he's invented off of one of these pulp novels um, from the margins. Um, and it is about their connection with their father, uh, in Vietnam, uh, in 1970. So it is, it is sort of uh, traveling back and forth. It's probably, it's like a longish short story, but I'm totally as into that as I am into the margins. And I'm like super excited that I think that makes it so worth it to, to pre-order. So forgive my indulgent oh, wow. promotion, but I feel like I had to mention that.
0: <laughs> no, Hey, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, we, we want to know about your stuff because a, it sounds amazing. And B, the, the, the more we can get, it sounds like uh, the more we'll be able to enjoy. So no, we're all yeah. good with that. Um, it, is this, you know, cause you, cause you've, you've mentioned that there's this now short story. Is this something that you guys foresee um, taking further after this is done and maybe not specifically with these characters, but it sounds like it, like the margins is basically a, um, a template for uh, the, the reality of creation kind of.
1: Yeah. I I think it's funny. And and Paul, you can chime in on this because I know that as we, as we finish the story, Mm -hmm. Um, we really feel like we came to a solid conclusion. Like this, there's no cliffhanger. This is a solid novel um, that you get. But within that, there's a thing of, well, you know, do do Charlie and Rita their stories continue. Could we find more stories with the two of them or this concept of this fictitious world that we call Elad, um, in the graphic novel, like, does that carry on? And for me, it just suddenly hit me of like, I really wanted to do like an eighties D D thing, um, and, and have them tap into that world in the same way that Charlie in 2018 is tapping into it as an artist. Um, I wanted to, you know, I, I kind of wanted to explore that. And I think in me just sort of Pushing that premise and saying, "Oh, here's what I'm thinking about, guys," and I actually typed up a bit of it. And Paul was like, "Oh, yeah. this is actually really fun." And and so I think it may have started some wheels spinning for you. Is that is that right?
2: It did, yeah. Because I, I was I I like maybe last year this time I, I might have said no, like this is like the this is the end of that story. But like you know the, the having it out and being able to talk about it with people and actually seeing it getting to to its final form. Um, you know, there's part of me that doesn't want to, you know, let go of it and I wanna, you know, explore some more of that stuff. And I guess I think of it kind of in a way of like like Stephen King's like Black Tower stuff or Dark Tower, excuse me. Um of like there's there's little inklings of it. There's little there could be little Easter eggs, and like unofficially, some of our other stuff in the future could be related to that. Um like there's nothing saying that. This next, you know, whatever our next project is, doesn't take place in the same world. It's just pan over to sure. the right or the left. Um, so I'm, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely open to that. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what you know people's reaction to the book is too. Um, maybe they'll like. Maybe we'll get a lot of questions like, well, what about this? And then maybe <laughs> that'll turn into. Yeah, that's true.
1: That always opens up uh, uh, possibilities is when you hear people mention that when you hear people ask questions about things. So yeah, it's not something like we're like, this is book one of a giant series. It's not like that. Um, My Lost Angels book is more like that, where I'm like, I have this big concept. And I know the first story, but then I have other stories that I want to tell in that same world. This is, Mm. it's a big world. And we could definitely find more stories in there. But I think they want to come to us organically. Um, you know like this D&D story did for me where I'm like I want to write this and then suddenly I pitched like this one page document to everybody going like this is what I want to write about and it just was so clear to me that it, uh, you know I wondered about it as like a spinoff comic and then they're like well we're not sure about that and then I'm like well I'm just going to write it as a short story and then we'll include it as a freebie and you know people pre-order and they're like we're on board with that so you know <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it, and I'm, I'm stoked about it so you know it's one of those things where it's got to come up organically and and then when you can't not write it. Um, and so I suspect with Paul and I, we may find that again. Or maybe it'll just be a different world next time.
0: That's so cool and so awesome. It, it, I'm very excited for it. I, I love everything that comes out of uh, Fanbase Press. And and so I'm excited to to have you coming out of that that publisher as well. I think it's, it's going to be a very exciting project.
2: Yeah, that makes it it all the more special. Um Dave's wanted to work with the folks at Fanbase for for a while and I was introduced to them through him and um just getting to know them over the years. I'm so proud that this book can be associated mm-hmm. with them. Um and uh to be able to say that like my, you know, like My it's weird to say my ethics and values line up with everything coming out of out of fan base and um, the things that are important to them. And I love that, you know, Barbara suggested, hey, why does this have to be a dude? Like, could this be a female character? And I was like, there was there was no hesitation was like, that's better. Like there are there, there I could list off and not even just to say to like there should be more female protagonists. Um, or there should be more queer protagonists, stuff like that. It's, it's all, like, there are any number of reasons why it's the better choice for this particular story. Right.
1: Right. This wasn't just us um, flipping so a switch and being like, that. that doesn't matter anymore. This was like, wait a minute, we get more from this story. If we do this, like there's, yeah. there's, there's avenues that we can plumb. You know, we talked earlier about those choice, ABCD, you know, like there, this, this informs those choices so much more interestingly and, and actually brought out some other themes that Paul noticed before I did. Um, um, uh, in the story, uh, kind of about gatekeeping and, and sort of other things that we, that we, uh, are witnessing in our geek and fan culture today. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think that, that this was, you're absolutely right. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll just switch the gender button, you know? No, it actually changed the story and changed our understanding of the characters, um, by thinking about, um, them differently and, and sh- sort of shaking us out of the default, uh, 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 choice, I guess, you know? Sure.
2: You know, it's, it's like, it's like the original Alien, like the original script for Alien there, you know, Ripley wasn't,
1: female; female. it was just
2: like assumed like default male. And then like, what, what if we make Ripley female and like that movie is so much better and more robust and more interesting. There's so much more that you could write about Alien, you know, for that fact, um, that made that franchise that choice. So, um. I'm really, I'm really glad that she brought that up, and we're like, uh, yeah, like we're we were very dumb to think that that was not the way. It was. Like, I is, can't even that imagine that choice. other story
1: now. Like, I don't even know what it would be. Yeah, I'm yeah. so invested in Charlie and Rita; they're such amazing characters that that uh, uh, to, to to play with in this world. That like, yeah, I can't even imagine what the other story would have been.
0: Ray, Ray and mm-hmm. I have had entire conversations on this show about how. We we just don't get the reluctance to diversify uh, geek culture, you know, the properties right. and everything else, because yeah. there's there's you're missing out yeah. on so many stories and so many um, alternative points of view. And like you said, it 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 enhances. It doesn't doesn't stop or take away. It it, it only makes better. So I, I it's great to hear that that that's the view you guys are
1: taking. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for, for sharing your, your project with us. And and I know I'm going to be ordering it and uh,
3: very, very excited to, to get thank it. Thank you. Uh, Just to cover again, uh, pre-orders now and uh, its release date is July 23rd, yeah. you said, right? Yeah, the
1: release date is July 23rd. Pre-orders until June 1st get you all those exclusive I mentioned. So, yeah, if you go to cool. TheMarginsComic.com, then it, there's a pre-order button right there and everything. So you can, you can get it that way.
2: Great, and then man. after that, it will be available on Amazon to get in print. And uh, we're also hoping to have it on comiXology.
1: So. Yeah.
2: Great.
0: Okay. Now, is there a difference between ordering it through the Margins website or Fanbase Press? Or can you – are they both?
1: That's all the same. Yeah, all, all the same. same. Okay. Yeah, I think they just got a vanity URL for uh, the Margins comics. So, but it's all still Fanbase. So you're still ordering it through Fanbase.
0: Okay. Okay. Good, good to know.
1: All right. Uh, any shout-outs this week? For everybody?
3: I'll leave I'll let Dave and Paul go first.
1: Um, yeah, uh, I, <laughs> who do I want to shout out to, uh, my buddy, Chris Anderson, my co-creator on lost angels, um, because he is hard at work, uh, on the third, fourth issue of lost angels right now. So, you know, uh, if you guys are interested to go to comiXology, um, and check out, you can get the entire first volume. Uh, but, uh, uh, the second volume is coming out. It's called the school days playlist. And it is about, um, the students in the high school that we, uh, 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 focus on in, in the first volume so uh you know i gotta give a shout out to my boy chris for uh, all the hard work he's doing on that
2: um and I'll do just a quick shout out. I was uh, on another podcast this weekend uh with uh, my buddy Connor Kilpatrick over at iFanboy. I mentioned them before. That's how I met Dave. Um the iFanboy community is uh sort of where I I learned all about comics as as an adult. Like I I loved comics as a kid, but then there was that little while where I strayed away from the fandom, got back into it around college time. Um and uh the iFanboy community is sort of like where I learned about how great, um, comics creators and comics fans can be. Um, there are, there are dark sides to comics, of course, but, um, iFanboy has always been so kind to me and been uh, such a great place to learn and meet awesome people. And so I guested, um, on their show, uh, the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. So go check that out at ifanboy.com.
3: Cool. Um, I'd like to shout out to Alcat MFA. Uh, feeling the grind for sure this time of the semester around midterms. Um, but uh, it's really great to be in this program, learning a bunch, getting to paint a bunch, and geek out about art with a bunch of like-minded people. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Very cool. And I want to give a shout out to uh, to Frazley and Alicia. Uh, from the Frizzlecast, cast uh had a really good time on the show this week and uh it was like it was like hanging out in a chat room uh you know while you played your your favorite video game so yeah that's it's hard to that's hard to capture and and they did it perfectly so Coming up next week, I think Ray and I are finally going to get to those trailers.
3: <laughs> There's more, too, Joe. Like, every time a new trailer comes out, I bookmark it, and I'm like, oh, I got to talk about this.
0: Yeah, yeah, so we're just going to have to, like, compile a list so that we can, <laughs> we can spend, like, a couple hours watching and then, and then talk about them, because they're yeah. all coming out right now.
3: All of and them. And we're so spoiled as geeks. There's just so much, like, just geek stuff, like culture that's being, you know, mined for these great, like, stories and movies and stuff. It's Pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: All the music in this episode is by Ben sound and is being used under creative commons license. You can find more music by Ben sound at BenSound.com. Geek to is a proud member of the geek to geek network. Check out other geek to geek shows, such as the geek to geek podcast running shoes, TV, the comic box and tea time with Katie and Chelsea, and make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash R forward slash geek to geek cast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcasters out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter
3: at geektitude or me personally at epic grays. Uh, Ray, how about you? Uh, you can find me as always at rayvargus3.com. And I'm on various social media platforms, also at Ray Vargas3, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr.
0: And David and Paul, how about you guys?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter at uh, Dacampo, so D-A-C-C-A-M-P-O. I think that's my Instagram handle too, so those are two good places to follow uh, what I'm up to.
2: Okay, And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fuzzy Typewriter. And uh, since she's not here, Amanda is not on Twitter, but um, she is on Instagram. You can follow her at uh, Dominant Panda. Cool. That's an awesome name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, gentlemen, again, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your work wow. with us. We're, I think both Ray and I are very, very excited about it. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. And for all of you listening out there, remember this week... Keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of Guardians rise to. No!
1: Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that?
0: Uh, Titan, no jump, good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things destiny why we play, why we love punching aliens in the face, and why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something. A podcast for players of all levels, find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First rounds on us. That theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly.
2: And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly.
0: Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD DD. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers (laughs) So join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry Or wherever you find your podcasts Or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com And as always, geek out